This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. BFM 89.9, it's 7.05, Tuesday the 3rd of January, and you're listening to The Morning Run together with Shazana, Chong Jensen, and I'm Wong Xiaoning. But in the meantime, let's recap how global markets closed last year. Most global markets were still closed yesterday, so this is Friday's closing. The Dow was down 0.2%, the S&P 500 down 0.3%, the Nasdaq was down 0.1%. In Asian markets, the Nikkei was largely unchanged, the Hang Seng was up 0.2%, the Shanghai Composite up 0.5%, the Straits Times Index up 0.1%, and the FBM KLCI, it was up by 0.3%. But once again, the FBM KLCI ended the year on a negative note. It was actually down down 4.5%. But it broke 1,005. Okay, that's bad. No, it didn't. It didn't? didn't? No, it closed at 1,495 oh, points. So close. So, so close. close, yet so far. <laughs> but for more on where international markets are heading in this new year, we speak to Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at US Trust, US Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management. Good morning, Joe. A happy new year to you. But, uh, you know, it wasn't a great year for equity markets last year. S&P 500 sank 20%. So what's your outlook for US stocks in 2023? Are you going to be a bull or are you going to be a bear? Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Um, I, I want to be a bull, but I'm still bearish because we flipped the corner, we changed the calendar, it's 23, but we got the same problems, whether it's the Fed not done raising rates, the pandemic still struggling and trying to still dealing with that, although good news with the reopening, and then the war in Ukraine and the weakness in Europe. So I know it's a different year, but we've got the same old problems. So near term, we think volatility, we're going to look Q4 earnings season, get take the company reads, earning estimates are going to come down. So it's going to be choppy and volatile near term. But we're still hoping by the second half of the year, we see more green than red. And Joe, the inversion of the two and 10-year Treasury curves typified the volatility in fixed income markets in 2022. How do you see the two curves trading in relation to each other this year? Well, it was really, I mean, as mentioned at the outset, not just equities, but bonds got crushed last year as well. We're looking for a more constructive backdrop in fixed income. So we're looking for more of a steeper yield curve uh, as we go deeper into this year. But the inversion right now is signaling recession. It's really creating a lot of problems in the credit markets. And I, I guess the biggest fear on Wall Street is that you know whenever you have the Fed aggressive tightening cycle, something breaks, something cataclysmic happens that brings and washes down the markets. We haven't had that yet. Was it crypto? Was it the UK? So you know the inverted yield curve is you know telling you to be on guard and be defensive here, say in the next three, four, five, six months. Okay, Joe. But how should we be defensive? Where should we park our money? Could it perhaps be the time for bonds to shine? We like bonds, shorter durations, you know, say the 10, 5-year, uh, you know, holding cash. Cash is, you know, doing well here. So near term, um, you know, so be, you know, shorter durations with the cash and the fixed income. But we like defense. We like cybersecurity. We're still bullish on energy. We still like commodities. If we're going to do this energy transition, the geopolitical problems you with know, Ukraine, we still think there is some upside for the energy play. And Joe, let's take a look at this special relationship between the UK and the US, because we see that the UK's trading relationship with the US was worth over 250 billion US dollars over the last 12 months. But uh, given the anticipated downturn in the US economy, how, what kind of damage could that have on an already beleaguered British economy? 
I think there's more downside in the UK. It's a good question in the sense that the UK has been you know, more or less disconnected from the EU. Companies are shifting production, labor out of the UK into the continent. So the U.S., if our downturn, if it's deep and prolonged, no one is going to be spared. But if it's deep and prolonged, the U.K. will feel that pressure more than anyone else. I guess the good news for the U.K. is the pound has weakened a little bit here. So you know, when you look at the FTSE, those are big, large exporters. They could get some benefit. But the, the U.K., in my opinion, has hurt themselves by disconnecting themselves from the EU. That is a tragic economic mistake. And Joe, on a relative basis, Asian currencies, except for the Japanese yen as a whole, has withstood the onslaught of the US dollar's strength quite well. What economic fundamentals would explain that phenomenon? Well, I think, you know, Southeast Asia, you know, Malaysia included, of course, you've got the reopening trade in China. You've got to pick up in global tourism and travel, business travel. You've got the commodity plays. You've got good consumption. So I think, you know, you're, you're in rel- relatively good position for equities, currencies, fixed income. So, you know, I think you could be kind of a kind of a shining spot and an otherwise gloomy backdrop for the first half of this year. So I think that's part that's part of that process. And when the Chinese do start to spend and travel, I mean, they're going to stay local regionally. And I think your part of the world is going to see that benefit. But Joe, are you concerned about uh, China's economic data that just came out? I mean, it shows that there's a decline in manufacturing. It worsened last month while activity in the service sector plunged the most in February 2020. So yes, the economy is recovering, but perhaps not at the pace we would hope. Yeah, I, I would totally agree that China is you know limping into 2023. And this is why the reopening is so important. I think the government realizes that whether it's manufacturing, housing, industrial production, construction, they're all weakened and they're flatlining at best. They could be close to flirting with recession. So the reopening is part and parcel of uh, you know the social pressure valve being released a little bit, but also have to help just get growth going, get that con- Chinese consumer. Chinese consumers, you know, they're about 40 percent of GDP, so they, they matter. They can help drive growth. But uh, the Chinese consumer has been absent for three years. I think the government needs them back now and outspending. So we are concerned. But um, we do think that you know China plows through the reopening, and they are a, a growth spot, at least in the first half of this year. Okay, so how should we play this theme? Reopening, so look at consumer names. What about those that, you know, the sectors that were really bashed down in 2022? So we're talking property, we're talking internet, technology. Is it too early to dip our toe in those sectors? I think it's too early. It could be too early. Remember the, the heavy hand of the government. But I think... I think the consumer plays are the best way to play China reopening and also travel and tourism. Uh, you know, it's the bigger, say the bigger global brands and luxury brands as well. So I think the, the play on the reopening of the China of China and return of the Chinese consumer, one of the best plays would be say like French luxury brands, uh, airlines, Singapore airline, I can't recommend stocks, but just think of those global carriers, travel and tourism. Cause I do think that revenge spending is coming vis-a-vis travel, luxury spending, more tourism, that might be a better play than, say, buying locally in China. And um, Joe, as a result, do you think Asia, especially ASEAN, will be the region that bucks the trend, um, given the unanticipated global trend of slowing GDP growth? Yeah, I, I think it is. It's the year of the rabbit, right? When you have your new year, right? The year of the rabbit is supposed to be good, right? Better than tiger, <laughs> right? Ho- hopefully, we're, hopefully we're set up for a better I, I, but I really, no, I, I, kidding, all kidding, is you're, you're part of the world, Southeast Asia, Malaysia. I think you know, the reopening of China, more global trade, 
um, picking up more travel, more tourism, business, and you know, individual. I think you're you're in a really good spot to kind of weather this downturn. Um, so to me, you know, China China is, is going to reopen. Europe is sagging. That's mm-hmm. going to hurt the periphery. And the U.S. and their you know Mexico will feel our pain. So I think you're you know of all when you look around the world, you're in good shape, relatively and absolutely speaking. Okay, thank you so much for your time. That was Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America, Private Wealth Management, telling us that the problems of 2022 are still around in 2023, uh, but there are still sectors to look at, still markets that look at attractive, one of which is, of course, ASEAN. But I found his comments about China reopening interesting. So don't you don't necessarily have to look at the domestic names, but perhaps names like the luxury goods players, so your likes of LVMH, Singapore Airlines, maybe some of the hospitality uh, listed companies, because yes, there will be revenge spending from the Chinese. Yeah, I think also uh, he's quite still quite bearish on the US. He says the same problems will still recur in 2023, the print problems with the Fed, the Russian-Ukraine war, and the EU is on, on the brink of a recession. But he does cite uh, some sectors which he thinks could outperform the defence sector. It's still like energy, um, the commodity space, and of course, cybersecurity as well. He sounded pretty upbeat overall, I mean, for the first day of the year. Um, in, in contrast, I suppose, to comments um, by the IMF chief, um, uh, Kristalina Georgieva, overnight, where she said that a third of the world is due to enter into a recession. Um, I think that's quite a gloomy way to start the new year. Um, but uh, she did say that she thinks the U.S. still has a chance to avoid a recession. So something that everyone's really watching closely, especially with the Fed still increasing rate hikes. I don't know. I think, you know, it's U.S. seems to already be in a recession, uh, aside from, of course, your technical definition, right? Their definition of recession is really different, though. It, you know, it, it, we look at GDP growth or, we, or Yeah, well, of... it also could be just two quarters of negative growth, right? Most economists view it that way. But the yield curve is already signaling that's the case. But I think, you know, nonetheless, the good news is that if you anticipate it, the pain from it should be very mild. Recessions only really hurt when, you, when suddenly there's a sharp, short decline in economic growth then people are like oh no what's happening perhaps this recession will be short and shallow but what's not so good news is of course a stock that jensen loves tesla or anything all <laughs> things related to all elon, musk. elon musk is idol. your idol right because what he's the second richest man in the world yes we can all aspire to be that but if you just look at their fourth quarter vehicle production numbers for 2022 not so great um you know it's it's up there's still a new record of 40 percent growth in the new year. Uh, But actually, this is because it fell shy of analyst expectations. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that in the EV space, there's a lot more luxury cars out there. It used to be just Tesla and no one else. But now you've got the likes of Mercedes-Benz in that space. You've got BMW coming up with some very attractive cars. So in that 70,000 US dollar range for EV, which is the average price, there's a lot more choice for the American consumer and also globally. Yeah, I think also the issues with Tesla, it's also mass Twitter driven. I mean, he has to he had to sell his Tesla shares by, um, I think, a considerable amount to really finance the and keep Twitter really breathing again. And I think also in the used car space, I did read that Tesla's uh, appeal has actually uh, dropped quite dramatically. I think that used prices for Tesla is no longer what it used to be as well. And you have also competition from some of the Chinese brands as well. 
but not in the luxury space at the moment. At the moment. <laughs> uh, if you look at Tesla, though, pretty much uh, still a darling on Wall Street. 25 buys, 14 holes, 5 sells. Consensus target price for this stock, 246 US dollars. It closed at 123 US dollars on the last day of trading, but it was still down, if I'm not wrong, more than 60% in 2022. So will 2023 be a much better year for Elon Musk? I think the first thing he needs to do is treat less. Uh, but up next, we'll cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. Moving forward with you. Visit cmbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.